Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Houston. In the programme this week, among the smouldering ashes of New Zealand Test cricket, there's a flickering flame with the Test win in Sri Lanka. But current world number one, South Africa, loom. We examine the state of Welsh rugby after it was knocked senseless by the All Blacks, and in particular Andrew Hoare at Cardiff recently. The Auckland City Football Club is in line for a million-dollar payout at the FIFA Club World Cup tournament in Japan. And the New Zealand men's hockey team try to re-establish their international credentials at the Champions Trophy Tournament in Melbourne. The New Zealand cricketers' win over Sri Lanka ended a five-test losing streak and will give the side some much-needed confidence ahead of playing the current world number one South Africa in a couple of weeks. The result highlights what the side is capable of, but really produces, and it's that inconsistency that has them ranked at a lowly eighth on the world test rankings. The win is the Black Caps' first in almost a year, the last being against Australia in Hobart in December 2011. I spoke to former Black Caps coach David Trist about the New Zealand side's latest achievement. A win goes a long way to uh, letting the team and supporters breathe a, uh, a temporary, I think, sigh of relief. I suppose it's the frustrating thing, isn't it, that, that supporters see what the side can do and, and that's what makes everything else so so bad. Yeah, well, statistics um, usually speak the truth and uh, the reality is they've been a long way um, from winning a long time from uh, their last win. But uh, having said that, Sri Lanka isn't the easiest place to uh, to win. Subcontinental countries at home are always difficult to beat and they uh, had to wait a long time. Four and a half overs, I think, was left. So uh, they must have been biting their nails, but uh, they got the win and it was a deserved win and will give them some confidence as they move forward in the uh, test uh, itinerary to face two of the giants currently playing international cricket, South Africa and England. Do you think it was a case they were kicked into action by all that criticism? W- was, would that have been a factor? Um, I think that they would be feeling the heat anyway. Uh, criticism is always a, a, a difficulty for some to bear, but I think Ross Taylor has uh, kept his chin up. Uh, he's done a pretty reasonable job in very difficult circumstances. He's got a relatively inexperienced test side with uh, only a couple of stars himself and, and McCullum probably and Saudi when uh, he, he gets the conditions uh, to suit him. Uh, looks uh, to be uh, getting up there with uh, some of the best swing bowlers in the world but it's a tough old time for New Zealand cricket. When they head off to South Africa, is it still the batting that's that the major concern? That, that Taylor's not possibly getting the support that he needs? Well, uh, it's the inconsistency uh, of the batting. All these players have from time to time shown that they're capable of uh, holding their own at international cricket. I thought Martin Crowe uh, wrote some very interesting uh, personal sort of 
summaries of what each individual player might do. Uh, I think in uh, the New Zealand Herald, uh, I happened to read it online, and I thought it was so accurate. And most of it came down to individuals knowing their game, being tough, being um, not frustrated by quality bowling, but rather challenged by it, and prepared to bat time because... As this test proves, if you bat time, you wear the other the opposition out and make it easier for your bowlers to have a rest, to come back uh, in a second innings like they did in this test match. And Southey and Bolt picked up the, the you know the, the the majority of the wickets. And that's what test cricket's about: extending the time. And batters have to play a major role in that and can't leave it to the bowlers. How thin did the batting look with with Kruger and Vake at six? Very thin. Uh, Van Vaak is uh, a journeyman. Uh, you'd like to see him come in at eight, uh, possibly nine, in a, in a well-balanced and strong New Zealand side. Uh, it is exposed somewhat. Uh, Kane Williamson uh, played very, very well, and that's a uh, stepping stone for him to build on further. Flynn showed the, just tenacity in playing within himself uh, and not extending uh, shot selection, something that he hasn't really got at international level without high risk. That 53 was critical, and, and Taylor, of course, yet again, uh, stepped up with um, uh, another century, and uh, it's something that others have to learn from. McCullum still faces his usual problems, doesn't he? <laughs> well, he's an enigma, but uh, uh, the flamboyance of him, uh, obviously, uh, as he stepped out of uh, the wicket-keeping role, being a great wicket-keeper batsman, probably the best him and Ken Wadsworth together would be... Uh, comparable I guess but the pressure is on on him in some ways because he, he, he is an opening batsman he does play it his way but uh, he, he's got to develop a, a little bit more patience a little bit more uh, consistency clearly and understand that he and Taylor are the linchpins generally speaking for a successful New Zealand batting performance Do you believe that opening spot's right for him at, at test level? Uh that's a very interesting question. Uh, he seems to be comfortable with it. He does perform generally, um, average would suggest, at a reasonably high level. It, it is uh, disappointing that we don't have the depth, and uh, that would be helpful if McCullum could come in at five or four even uh, with Taylor. Uh, that'd be an exciting partnership, but... It seems that he wants to be there and the the selectorial uh, process and the coach go along with how he feels uh, about it. A word on Todd Astle, your, your thoughts there on his debut? Well, I hope that uh, he's encouraged uh, a little bit more than uh, Nathula um, in terms of bowling him at the right time and understanding the field setting and how to go about working with New Zealand uh, leg spinners. We've got an atrocious record uh, with it. I think Jack Alabaster was probably uh, one of the few that way back in time uh, could hold his own at all levels. He's in early stages uh, of development. Uh, a leg spinner is very useful in, in South Africa, especially uh, in day, on day four and five where the hard pitches do turn and dust up a little bit. So a leg spinner uh, would, would be very, very helpful. One thing I learned when I was in South Africa working with uh, Kepler Vessels, who I consider an extremely thoughtful uh, captain, uh, his belief was that you don't show them too much in, in the first innings. You wait until the pitch starts wearing, and then uh, you start off with relatively defensive fields, even with a sweeper out. Uh, as the fingers take time to warm up, 
uh, and the confidence grows, then you tighten the, the, the field set. And, of course, uh, the, the, the batsmen in the first innings haven't sighted them. So they're the little things that uh, I learned from vessels, which uh, I see in overseas uh, captaincy roles with, with leg spinners, but haven't really seen much of it from New Zealanders. I suppose this South African trip's going to be uh, quite a test, isn't it? I mean, given that what the, the match build-up the, the pro tiers have had in Australia and uh, coming from the, the subcontinent to South Africa, the conditions so different. Yeah, well, I've got huge uh, respect for South Africa. Uh, they, they play tough cricket. Their provincial cricket is uh, very, very strong. And uh, I guess like New Zealand rugby, that's one of the key influences uh, in, in your national side. They'll be very difficult to beat at home. They've got some great players currently playing, Amler and, uh, and the likes. Uh, stand out as big run scorers. They've got pace and, and they've got spin at their disposal. So the New Zealand side can take something out of this last test match for sure. It will be a relief for them to have won. Uh, the public in New Zealand will be thrilled that they've uh, won an important uh, game to draw a series. And now they've got to uh, gain from that experience the confidence and some of the issues that each player has to address uh, if they're going to be successful in South Africa, a tour which really will need the likes of the Tory to be available if possible. I was talking to former New Zealand cricket coach David Trist. The state of Welsh rugby appears to be in limbo following their loss to the All Blacks this week. The 33-10 loss was their sixth straight defeat, Something unexpected by the locals after their semi-final appearance at last year's World Cup and then winning this year's Six Nations. One of the factors could be the situation with coach Warren Gatland, who's in a dual role after taking on the job with the British and Irish Lions for next year's Tour of Australia. Barry Guy spoke with BBC Wales rugby correspondent Gareth Charles and asked him about their latest defeat. I suppose generally uh, it is pretty much as we expected. We nobody really gave Wales much of a chance, especially the way that uh, we've been playing so far in this autumn series. Uh, very disappointing performances against Argentina and Samoa, uh, and I suppose by halftime the game was dead and buried. But the plus points for Wales was, that was at least uh, what they, it was a 30 nil. 33-0 lead didn't become a complete route and they showed a bit of character and also they showed the kind of rugby that, that really brought them to attention in the Six Nations and in the World Cup last year. At last they played a bit of open rugby and, and scored a try at the end uh, which gives us a little bit of hope for building for the future but really I suppose the game just emphasised uh, that the massive gap that still exists between uh, the best side in the world and what are we currently seventh in, in the rankings. There seemed to be a little bit of unrest with the locals uh, over even some selections or who's playing the first five. Or there's a bit of booing there almost or cheering when he went off and even some suggestion that perhaps Sam Warburton shouldn't uh, even be captain. What's going on there? Yeah, there's a lot of players who've shown uh, indifferent form for, for their regions in the various competitions, either the, the Rabo Direct League at home or, or the Heineken Cup. The results in the Heineken have been particularly disappointing for, for the Welsh clubs. And I think that they took that form into the first two games against Argentina and Samoa. And we made one line break in two games. And for a team that had been scoring tries and winning friends around the world exactly a year ago in New Zealand in the World Cup, well, no wonder there was that kind of reaction. Confidence for a lot of the players was at its lowest ebb, none more so than Reese Priestland, the outside half. 
he'd brought a real spark to proceedings uh, under Warren Gatland. But uh, obviously that, that confidence was so low that uh, nobody was willing to take on the kind of individual responsibility for, for trying to change things. And Sam Warburton hadn't been playing his best, but I think against New Zealand he had his best game for a long time. So, so that choice was, was definitely vindicated. And I think that is one thing that has happened under, under Warren Gap, Gatlin's time as coach is that he has shown great faith in the players that he has picked and, and he stuck with them through thick and thin and it's been has been a bit uh, thin recently uh, so as i say it, it, it was a great occasion at the millennium stadium did the andrew hoare incident leave a bit of a sour taste for uh, the locals yeah i think so definitely and it's notable in the reaction robert howley was very outspoken about it in a press conference this week and i think everybody was shocked that something like that would happen well within 30 seconds almost of the start of the game but the one thing that has shocked most uh, pundits and, and general uh, people uh, alike is why on earth would they need to do it? Because New Zealand is such a good team, such a talented team, that, that they don't need to resort to, to that kind of skullduggery. And really, it was an out-and-out cheap shot from Andrew, Andrew Hoare. Bradley Davis may have been running his line, but as I say, there was nothing to antagonise him, no incidents or anything in the first minute of the game, and, and people see it as, as very unnecessary. We, we've been hearing reports today that maybe some of the All Blacks think that he's already been hung out to dry and that he won't get a fair hearing. But as far as the Welsh public is concerned, then uh, he deserves everything he gets. We've talked about Warren Gatland. I mean, it seems interesting that, you know, with him taking over the Lions coaching position, that he's not really able to help Wales. Uh, that's an interesting situation on its own. But do you think that's affecting the team also? Uh, it's a very interesting one because something similar happened with Graham Henry back in 2001 and they've said they've, they've learned the lessons since then. Um, Warren has been there in the background in the first two games as well. He's still in constant touch with Rob Howley who's in charge for the first two. But now that he is back there fully in charge, I think uh, the players responded and produced their best performance against New Zealand. Uh, and obviously they're hoping to build on that then for, for the Australia game. He'll disappear then again. So the big question is what will happen come the Six Nations? when Warren isn't fully there again. Um, and the big fallout after Graham Henry was that after he came back from the Lions tour, uh, the fact that there were so many Welsh players on that tour in Australia in 2001, and they'd been relegated, a lot of them, to the midweek team, which Graham by the end had ignored, then uh, that didn't sit well, and obviously the Welsh performances afterwards uh, were, were particularly poor. So Warren will have to watch out for the fallout on that. And there is a definite um, divided uh, uh, reaction to it from from the general public here. Some say, okay, fine, let him have the, the time out to concentrate on the Lions, and then he can come back and try and build Wales again from there. Others are saying, no, Wales should come first, and uh, he's being paid by the Welsh Rugby Union, and Wales will suffer because of it. I suppose the proof of the pudding will only be shown in the new year when the Six Nations come about. If Wales do get a particularly bad Six Nations, then obviously there will be a, a lot of discontent around here. Just finally, Gareth, uh, can you see the All Blacks going through the year unbeaten when they take on England this weekend? I think so, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I expected England to do better this campaign. They'd shown signs under Stuart Lancaster that they were improving, uh, and I certainly thought they'd, they'd beat Australia, and, and they should have beaten possibly South Africa as well. But uh, I think they'll give uh, the All Blacks a decent game. But New Zealand are by far and away the best team at the moment. Uh, they've taken the game on, on to a new level. I thought the 20 minutes uh, end of the first half against Scotland, they were sublime. They were some of the best drug we've seen. 
and whatever at the moment we in the Northern Hemisphere can throw at them, I think they're good enough to cope with and then pick it up another gear or two. And yes, certainly I think that uh, Richie McCaw and Dan Carter, by the sound of it, can, can take, take their sabbatical and, and rest easy because uh, New, New Zealand will still be very much top of the tree by then. That's BBC Wales rugby correspondent Gareth Charles talking to Barry Guy. A record fourth appearance and a million-dollar payday awaits the Auckland City football side at the FIFA Club World Cup in Japan next week. Auckland City, who won the Oceania League section of the tournament, play J-League winners Sanfri Chi Hiroshima in their first game next Thursday. They're already guaranteed $600,000, and if they beat Hiroshima and reach the quarterfinals, that will double to $1.2 million. The Auckland chairman, Ivan Vuksic, told Richard Wayne that City will overtake one of the giants of world football in Japan, as no other teams ever competed at the tournament four times. Not to my knowledge. Uh, I think the best has been three. I think I think that's Barcelona. I think it's been three times. Wow. And, and one of your players, I believe, he's going to be the most uh, capped player at a Club World Cup. Yes, uh, Daniel Koprovcic. He's going for his fifth. He's, this is his fourth time with us, and he, he uh, went with another club out west, <laughs> Waitakere. So, yeah, this is fifth time. Ivan Vistic, you excited about, um, is it your third Club World Cup? Yeah, very excited for my third Club World Cup, yeah. I mean, it's great credit to the club. I mean, uh, Ivan Vuksic, a president, continues to put together a good squad and good coaching staff, and, uh, you know, that's very important in the preparation. I mean, now when we play uh, in the O-League, it's very, very difficult to get wins. When we play away, it's very difficult to play at home. It's very difficult. Last year, it, it went right down to the wire to the playoff with Tafana in the final, in Tafana, so it was very difficult. Of course, the City have had some success, making, I believe, it was fifth place and a pretty good payday three years ago. What are the chances of knocking off the Japanese champs and, and heading uh, further up? Yeah, we had a great time in uh, 2009. It's very difficult this time around again. It was very difficult that time. We faced a good team in the, the JD champions. But, you know, football is a special game and, and we've been preparing uh, really hard, training extra, and we've been playing some good football over the last month. So if we can now take that to an extra level, we can hopefully put a real uh, good performance in. Ivan Vuksic, what can it be worth to the club uh, to, to make this like financially and also on an exposure level? Well, because we're an amateur club, uh, three-quarters of what we win, uh, it's in our agreement, three-quarters of what we win goes back to the other clubs and, and New Zealand football and to our coaching staff. So the club ends up with around about a quarter. That enables us to pay off some of our debts of competing in the O-League. To give you an example, if we finish in seventh place, we'll get 125,000 US. It cost us about 125,000 US to compete in the O-League last year, so it'll square the books. Is the OFC is competing there a bit of a financial challenge for all the clubs? It's, uh, it's, it's huge, yeah. Just to play in the final in Tahiti last year, we're up there for three years. Uh, nearly four days was a cost of fifty thousand dollars to us, fifty thousand New Zealand dollars. So just it's incredible. They do help with they pay eighteen airfares, but all the accommodation and the additional airfares uh, are paid for by the club, and all the other incidentals that go with that are all paid for by the club. And it mounts up. By the time you've done the Oceania series, uh, you're out of pocket by one hundred fifty thousand New Zealand dollars. Yeah. How's the club looking on a financial setting? Uh, we're breaking even, you know, we're struggling like everybody else, really, really struggling at the moment. Uh, sponsors are very hard to get, but going to Japan this, this year and uh, if we can get past the first round, we'll be looking, we'll be in clover. Raman Trebuliet, you're the coach. I guess not many people here have heard of um, Sanfrici Hiroshima before, but you say you've watched a few games already. Yeah, I've watched quite a few games actually, you know, so I pretty much know what they try to do collectively and individually, you know, the best players and probably they're not so good players. Overall, a very good team, you know, very patient with the ball, 
they defend in their own half, so that they are very compact at the back. It's going to be a tough one because they, we, we are talking about the J-League champions and the standard of play in that league is very good. You know, you played against the Japanese team last year. What lessons can you take from that experience? So I think I think the lessons we took are basically emotional, the belief. You know, the belief that we can actually compete against them, and that cost us probably in the first half. You know, we had a period of 20 or 25 minutes where. We didn't really believe we could play through them and we stopped playing and when we stop playing we're a team that we need the ball. If we don't have the ball then we struggle. And obviously, you know, there's a few things that we can do in terms of changing the dynamics. If those things happen, that they press us very high, they are very quick and we can, you know, play through them. We've got a couple of alternatives this year to make sure that we can change that, that dynamic and we can get back into the game. Talking about the atmosphere, I guess, um, I mean, I think it's maybe a 75,000-seater stadium. Don't know how full it'll be, but playing in that sort of stage, uh, I guess only uh, Vislich and maybe Exposito have sort of played at, the, at that level before? Well, we've got Pedro Santa Cecilia coming from, you know, he played uh, in the Spanish First Division for five years, so he's another one who's played at that level. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're not used to it. We're not used to it. That's a reality. That's why we're saying that one of the uh, most important things are the emotions. And hopefully with that experience from last year, you know, fresh in our minds, it will take us five or ten minutes the most, hopefully, you know, to go over the nerves, you know, and then start playing our game. Football's a funny old game, isn't it? I mean, you guys are pretty much amateurs and you're coming up against the full-time professionals, the champions of Japan, Hiroshima. But you've got a chance, haven't you? That's right, football's like that. I mean, uh, it's all geared on uh, JD Champions going through. I mean, they finished this week and, you know, one week later they, they played their playoff against us. So, you know, they're in absolutely peak form. We have to try to uh, surprise them and hopefully we can just work hard together as a team. And just uh, finally a word on the importance of, of this campaign for New Zealand football. Obviously there's some financials there, but also exposure and visibility for the New Zealand public who hardly ever get to see the local premiership sides playing. That's right. I mean, the, the coverage is not great for the ASB Premiership, but there is a step up in the two leagues in the games. But, you know, the ASB Premiership is, is good enough for us to do well in the, in the World Cup champs. So uh, it can improve every year. It needs to improve uh, financially. If the rewards come from this tournament, that can help the league and the club and, and New Zealand football, then that's very good. It's very important for Oceania and uh, New Zealand for this region that, that we do well over there and we put our Oceania uh, flag on the map and uh, we keep that flying high and continue well no matter what teams uh, represent in the region. That's Auckland City captain Ivan Vislich talking to Richard Wayne. The New Zealand men's hockey coach Colin Batch has a challenge on his hands. Just a couple of weeks into the job, Batch's first assignment is to lead the Black Sticks in the Top 8 Champions Trophy Tournament starting in Melbourne this weekend. The Australian Batch took over from Shane McLeod who stood down after the Black Sticks' disappointing Olympics campaign where they finished ninth. Batch has introduced eight players who didn't go to London and says he intends to give them all game time during the tournament. It's a tough assignment for the six ranked New Zealanders and Richard Wayne asked Batch if he had enough time to prepare. No doubt it's been a rush, um, you know, not, not only just to arrive in Auckland and uh, take charge of the squad and learn a lot, of, uh, a lot about the playing group, but we've also had a lot of players in Europe and uh, they've just returned uh, less than a week ago. So we haven't had a lot of time together as a team. But um, I'm very encouraged by what I've uh, you know, I've seen so far and uh, the development in the group has been very positive. So we certainly start the tournament uh, in a good note. Uh, we have Germany first off, which will be difficult. Yeah, the Olympic champions. What are your chances, uh, do you say, against them on Saturday? No, we'll knock them over. Yeah, look, um, very good record, obviously. 
Um, they have a different team to what they had at the Olympics, and so they'll present a lot of a lot of uh, challenges for us. Um, but first game is first game, so you know they may lack a little bit of preparation. They come out of the European winter, um, and more acclimatised, even though it is very hot for us as well. So we're hoping for a good performance. They're very structured, and you need to break that down. Defensively, they're always very strong, and uh, they put a, a high level of um, time into their defensive qualities. They're tackling, they're marking, and winning the ball back. So we need to compete. Um, well, in the one-on-one situation, we need to receive the ball well and uh, the timing of our leading and linking from one line to another is very important and that's where we've spent our time in the last few days. This potentially is a pretty tough tournament for a side that hasn't been travelling that well. What are your sort of um, aims for the tournament? It's a little uh, difficult to you know, nail down exactly what we want to achieve. So we'd certainly like to finish in the top five and that would guarantee us a place in the next Champions Trophy. Um, so there's that linked to development of the younger players, and we've got a, a number of them. You know, there's a few who haven't played many games at all. None, in fact. Uh, there's three players, uh, debutants, but there's also three or four players that have played less than 10 internationals. So it's exposing them, and uh, you know, as I said, I've been really encouraged working with them, and it will be nice to do that in a tournament, which I also always think is the toughest uh, assessment that you can have. Have you targeted certain matches to get points or is it uh, just going game by game? No, it's really, you know, we've set ourselves to play well against Germany and when that is over then we'll have a look at India and uh, set our tactics around India. So it's, you know, very much one game at a time and uh, you can't look too far forward in international sport. I guess Germany are the, um, they're the biggest fish in your pool though. Yeah, they are. That's not to say the others won't be just as difficult in, in their own way. India are a very strong attacking team, so you need to control that. And India, uh, sorry, England will have a, a good defensive structure, and you need to break that down as well. So each each um, game warrants a different sort of uh, mindset. Um, but for us, it's about consistency of performance, and uh, if we can be consistent over the 70 minutes, then we'll have some good results. And you said you're encouraged by what you've seen from the players so far. How about mentally? Do you think that they're up for some upsets here? Yeah, I think so. You know, we've got a, a good competitive spirit. You know, you talk about uh, New Zealand having that. I certainly observe that from a opposition point of view, and it's nice and refreshing to, to be involved with a team that uh, has a natural uh, competitiveness and they want to go out there and, OK, they might acknowledge there's some big... Um, challenges in front of us but they're willing to take them on and I see that as uh, one of the strengths of the team. That's New Zealand men's hockey coach Colin Batch talking to Richard Wayne and New Zealand play Germany, India and England in pool play. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember if you'd like to contact us you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. 